this morning, uh, we're going to start this new series called Man the Outpost. And uh, the picture that's behind me here is kind of like a fire tower, and it absolutely works for uh, this picture of an outpost. And um, when I picture an outpost, it's really not that. Just as a disclosure, when I think outpost, I think more like a fort or something out in the wilderness where all these mountain men would go. That's just because I like to study history and mountain men probably, so that's what's in my mind. But there's, uh, there's different ways that we can look at this, but the reality is, is what does it mean to man the outpost? And I'm not going to go into total detail here because we got other speakers coming up over the next few weeks that are going to dive into it a little bit more. But I want you to know that inside the outpost, where we're meeting right now, uh, we could say that we're gathering together and as a body of people, uh, really where we're at really doesn't look like this a whole lot from the outside. But as we gather together, what is the meaning and the purpose of outposts gathering together. Uh, we don't really say, and, and I think again, if you've been here for any period of time, you, you've heard that uh, the people are the ones that make up the church. It's not the place, it's not the, the fire tower, it's not the uh, fort. It's the people that come into those places that make up that body of people. And so what does it mean this morning? It, you, you've got a piece of paper on your chair, and today we're going to focus on something that is super important to me, but it's called preparing for the battle. More specifically, it's going to be about evangelism and the tools of evangelism. It's going to take a little while to get to that piece of paper, but I want you to know that these are just tools Okay, as we enter into our outpost or the area that we gather, we're just trying to give everybody tools. I need tools from you. You need tools from me so that we understand when we leave this place and we go out into our real world, that's where the real battles are. Okay, to prepare for battle means, number one, we have to believe that there's a battle. Do you guys believe that there's a battle right now in our culture for the hearts and minds of people? If you don't, I don't know how to open your eyes. Actually, maybe I do, uh, but I would want to spend some personal time with you. But unlike ever before, there's a battle going on in our culture for the hearts and minds of men and women, boys and girls. Okay? Um, I think we could go on and on with this, and I don't want to highlight too many things, but if we don't believe that there's a battle, then what are we preparing for? Why are we even entering into this place called Outpost as a way to learn and understand to go engage in our culture if we don't think culture needs engaged with? That has to be kind of the basis of this. Some of the things that we're going to promote over the next few weeks are going to be other tools. Some of you have bought patterns books. You can still go online and get the patterns books, by the way. Some have been ordered that will be for sale in the coming weeks. And really, it's just a tool to help you focus on your personal time with Jesus and how you're pursuing Him, how you're pursuing other people in your life to introduce them to Jesus, but also to be real and honest about your own story 
which is what Jen did this morning, that are hang-ups to us really living fully as devoted followers of Jesus. And we're going to try to do all these things here. So you got the patterns book. Also, there's going to be uh, bookmarks that come out, and it's going to be a specific place for you to write the names of three people. Most of us know at least three people that need change in their life, either through uh, recommitment to Jesus or even introduction to Jesus. And we're going to have you write their names on that and stick them in your Bible or a book that you're reading as a reminder of going after those people with the gospel. And then the third one is a wallet card. We have one of these. They're back by the, um, the, the boxes out there at the coffee area. And they're just like a little business card. And basically, you can just give these to people that, that you know in town or drop them off to people as an invitation to come and see what's going on at Outpost, okay? Those are a few different tools. Um, let's get started. I know for me, honestly, when I was presented the idea of Outpost a couple years ago by Greg and Bonnie, by the group that they were with, I was hesitant. And the reason that I was hesitant was that I'd been in a lot of churches over the course of many years of my life that would talk a certain language and say that they were all about it, and yet the people were pretty much okay with just attending church on Sunday, and that was their spirituality. Now, you guys might know that feeling. You might have that understanding and and also say, yeah, that's been my experience too. So when Greg started to introduce me to the idea of Outpost, this vision for Outpost, and he asked me if we would be a part of it, my initial response was no. And I need to be honest about that. It was no, because it was like, I don't want to start another church. Churches, to me, are not fulfilling what needs to be done in the body of Christ as far as calling us to mission. It was a gathering place for people to learn behavior modification. You guys understand what I'm saying there? Like, we want to just change the way you behave so that you're nice people. Okay, now there's nothing wrong with behaving well and being a nice person. But the, the truth is that the earth and the people of the earth are going to hell in a handbasket, and we're just trying to be nice. Do I have your attention yet? Okay, why do we man the outpost? Now, for me, if I'm thinking about this place that I'm going to go, and I'm going to gather with these other people because there's a battle raging outside, there's a couple factors that are important to me. Number one, that you're as serious of the battle as I am. Like, if I'm going to go out to battle with you, I want to know that I can trust that you have my back, or vice versa. Up to uh, just a few years ago, I would say that I had not experienced that very well. As a matter of fact, Christians were known for stabbing their wounded. Think about that for a minute. All of us, we hear the stories, have wounds. We have scars. We have realities that happen in our life which hold us back from full devotion, and the very people that we feel like we can trust and run with are the ones that we may need to be afraid of. When we gather together in Outpost, we're trying to develop this idea, this method, 
where we are going to take absolutely seriously what it means to walk in community together. That's why we put so much emphasis on things like membership and, and the six core values of who we are. That's why we ask the three questions every week of people in our group, like, what is going on with you? Because if you're not pursuing Jesus and you're not going after Jesus, how am I supposed to go into the war with you? I I'm going to call you to a different place. This is what I found when I, I started to look into the definition of outpost. One definition says a small military camp or position at some distance from the main force, used especially as a guard against surprise attack. I think that that was an excellent definition. We're an outpost, we're this thing that's away from the main source being what? The kingdom of heaven. That, that's our main source right there. We're, we're put out into a place as a, a, a military compound or this place that is trying to help against surprise attack. That means that we are alert for the battle and the war that's around us. It's not like we're out there having a great time and, you know, fly fishing all day. We understand that there's a battle for the hearts and minds of people. There's a cultural battle going on. Hey, mothers and fathers, if you are not concerned about what's going on with the children in this culture, your kids in this culture, oh my goodness, we have to wake up and get serious, okay? That's one of the things, another definition was called an outlying or a frontier settlement. That was maybe more the definition that I had in my own mind. Some people in other places in the U.S. would say, yeah, outpost is definitely a frontier settlement in Cody, Wyoming. You guys live in the middle of nowhere. And we love it that way. Okay. I'm going to let the other teachers in the weeks ahead kind of develop more of the main idea about the strategic position of Outpost and some of the things that we're after. Um, but let me remind you that we're after a greater mission here than just gathering on Sunday mornings and having a good time together. That's great. I'm glad that we have a good time together. And when we uh, break apart and we greet each other and everything, I, I think there's real love and enjoyment there. And that's a wonderful thing. But let me tell you that almost everybody that's here has their own story. They have their own wounds. They have their own hurts and hang-ups. And, and yes, we want to love each other well. But more importantly, we want to engage the other people. We can go our whole life trying to be nice, you guys, right? Our whole life. We can go to our grave someday saying, well, that, that was a really nice person and never engage another person in our life. This is about engagement. When I'm talking uh, to you this morning about different uh, preparations that we can do for battle, let me just say without any reservation whatsoever, if you are not wanting to engage other people, these tools will not have any impact on you. Listen to me. If you're not wanting to engage other people in your life, then you can come here and learn as much as you want. You can study all you want. You can get as much education as you want, and you're not going to go after other people. 
to be an evangelist, to be a missionary for the kingdom of heaven, it's going to take one primary thing. I see other people hurting. I agree with my own hurt. And, and the only person that's going to change that in my life is Jesus. It's not going to be education and tools and all those other kind of things. It's not even going to be regen. It's going to be Jesus that regen points us to. Okay, so preparing has to come from this idea that we love what God has done in our own life so much that we want to share with other people what he's done in our life, share our story. This morning is Father's Day, and I was trying to figure out how to tie in Father's Day. I love Father's Day. I love being a father. Uh, actually, it's crazy being a father. And all you fathers out there would be like, mm-hmm, yeah, it totally is. Okay, but what a privilege and a blessing to be a father. I'm thankful that my father's here today. It's a, it's a great honor for me to, to have him here, and uh, I'm blessed to have him here. Some of you have different feelings about uh, your father's. Some of you, as fathers, are like, oh man, I've done a lousy job. I mean, there's all kinds of emotions when you talk about Father's Day. I want to read a passage to you that's going to lead us into a little bit more of what we're trying to get to, but it's based on uh, Father's Day. It's going to be out of Proverbs 1.8. I'm not sure whether they got that up there or not, but Proverbs 1.8. And as it relates to fathers, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, what we're talking about this morning on an outpost scale is about the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Tools that are going to allow us, to challenge us, to motivate us, to be engaged with the people in our world of influence that's going to lead them to a desire to be in the disciplines of the Lord, in the instruction of the Lord. Now, as a father myself, I can look back at my years, and you can talk to my kids, and they'll, they'll agree that there were things that I did well, and there were things that I did not do that well. And uh, obviously, I didn't want to do things not that well, but just because I'm human, I didn't always respond correctly or love them well. One of the things that Jenny and I were listening to uh, in this last week, some different podcasts as we traveled, were in relation to how the mind processes uh, what happens to us as kids when we're with our parents and all the things that, uh, you know, it's amazing that we can function as good as we do. That's not a cut to my parents. That just means you got two imperfect people trying to raise kids, and, and they're going to make mistakes. What they're finding is this. Children are going to be okay if you make mistakes, but they're not going to be okay if you do not connect with them and engage with them and then spend time with them. Does that make sense to you guys? In other words, this verse, if we really break it down, is going to say this. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. What provokes a child to anger? You're not paying any attention to me. You're not spending any time with me. 
do the cares and needs that I have as a child mean anything to you, mom and dad? And if they don't, the child is going to develop anger, bitterness, and all these resentment to the parent. Even though the parent might be sitting there going, oh, I love my kids totally. And I get that. Okay? But the rest of the verse is important. But to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. How can we do that as adults, fathers, daddies? How can we do that with our own children? if we do not engage with them on a regular basis in relationship? Can you allow in your mind for the church to take on that role or other people to take on that role? The answer is no. Your primary circle of influence as daddies, as fathers, is your own family. And we're going to tell you this all the time here. Engage with your kids because that's your mission field primarily, okay? Spend time with them. Is it possible to raise your child in any particular way if you don't spend any time with them? No. It's not possible. If we unpack that a little bit more and we start going into the different tools that you can use for evangelism, which is what we're going to do today, I'm going to point back to this all the time. If you're not going to spend time with other people and engage with other people relationally, you're not going to share the gospel. It's that simple. I mean, some people say, I'm too scared to share the gospel. I wouldn't know what to say. Good, we're going to give you some tools. But the reality is, is deal with your fear of why you wouldn't want to share the gospel. If you really believe that instructing these people, your kids first or other people, is that important, then you're going to use the tools that are given to you to instruct them and train them by spending time with them. I'm going to give you a personal example, uh, and, and I think that he would not mind. I told him I might mention this, uh, but we have a nephew, and this nephew has gone through a long period of time where he's really been just kind of wandering, okay? When we found out that he was really struggling in his life and he was going through depression and other kind of things, I felt God saying, it's time for you to engage and reach out with him. And so I had to make a choice. Do I have the time to do that? Because to to engage with a person like that's going to take an extended period of time. Do I believe that Jesus is the answer for his depression and other things? And if he is, am I willing to do it? Now, couldn't we all ask the same question of people in in our worlds, in, in your worlds? Could you ask the same thing? God, who is it that you're bringing to mind? Who is it that you want me to reach out to? Can I commit to the time? And do I believe, that's huge, do I believe that Jesus can change them? Listen, our behaviors are always going to follow what we believe. Always. You've heard me say it before. If you believe that Jesus is the answer for the people that are hurting around you and yourself, 
then your behaviors are going to follow that, be, that belief. If you don't, you're going to let the nephew, you're going to let the neighbor, you're going to let your child, you're going to let your spouse, whoever's in that world of influence that God's calling you to, you're going to just say, good luck. I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to say good luck. It's hard for me to say that because I want to engage with people to draw out where they're at so that they have an impact in the world for Jesus. What's going to happen, you guys, if we do not come to the place of engaging the world? What's going to happen? What's going to happen in our culture if we don't engage the culture? If we don't say no to certain things, and why we're going to say no? Grandparents, mothers, singles, everybody in this room, listen to me. We're going to go through some tools. It doesn't matter if you have the tools if you're not willing to engage other people. It's that simple. So be willing to engage. If you have a hard time with that engagement, would you please come talk to us? Like we want to to move into those areas to help bring freedom to you so that all of a sudden you're, you're like, hey, my story, it's incredible. Like I can't help but share it. We talk a lot uh, in our leadership team and staff about like, hey, our evangelism, we want it to just be a lifestyle of who we are. It's, it's completely natural. Uh, you're going to seek ways to share Jesus with the people who are around you because you're in tune to what's going on in their life. I like what Chet said this morning. The more I'm, the more I'm in tune or focused on my own thing, the, the harder it gets for me. The more I'm in tune with what's going on with other people, the more evangelism happens naturally because I'm aware of what's happening in the hearts of other people. This morning, before we get into the tools, I want to ask you a question because the rest of us just, uh, there's some academics to it. Where are you at with Jesus and are you serious in your walk with him. As, because we talk about being a fully devoted follower of Jesus. What does that mean? And are you there? If you're there, this is going to make a lot of sense to you, what we put up on the screen. And if you're not really there, you're going to say, well, that looks, that looks okay and everything, but that's not something that I'm going to do. I think we have to get that uh, question answered before we go into what these tools are. Some of you might be saying, I want to be fully devoted. I want to be committed to Jesus. I want to know how to share my faith. I just don't know what to do. Great. I think you're going to connect with some of this stuff. But if you're not, I, I, I'm not sure that this is going to have anything, any impact on you whatsoever. I'm just saying. So be aware that these tools, like Jen was saying this morning, they're tools in her toolbox that she can go to and grab to help her get through the things that she's facing, that's what these are here. Now, I'm going to tell you that these tools have had a huge impact on me personally. Okay, when I was a young man, I played baseball. That was my sport. And I ended up playing baseball all over the world, and it was a blast. I loved it for the most part, okay? 
Three of those summers were with Athletes in Action. Some of you might have heard of Athletes in Action, but when I was a young man growing up, my dad was uh, the director of Athletes in Action Baseball. So some of you might be saying, well, you might have stunk, but your dad was the director, so you're going to be on the team. That could be true to a certain degree, although I think I was all right. One of the things that we did was, uh, as Athletes in Action, was that we used the sport as a platform to compete against other people, other players, and the coaches and, and the, the referees or the umpires, depending upon the sport, and then the other team. We would gather them around, either during the game, before the game, after the game, and we would say, hey, listen, we're here to compete with you. We're here to love the game of baseball together, but we also have a greater purpose that we want to share with you. And we were taught at that time the tool called the four spiritual laws. Have you guys ever heard of the four spiritual laws? That's at the top of your sheet here. Now, the four spiritual laws basically follow a, a, a line of thinking that we could share as athletes, and we would do that. We would have a brochure. As a matter of fact, I think I brought a brochure. This is from a team that, that I led, and it's from uh, May 23rd to June 2nd, 2004. Okay, that's quite a few years ago. But this was also a baseball team that I led, and, and on it there's pictures of the different players and their names, and on the inside of the brochure was a player's picture and name and also uh, the first law of the four spiritual laws. And they would read that out, give verses to it, and, and, a, and a person in the stands or another player there could get this brochure and read through this short brochure and come to a place where they would be confronted, is God on the throne of your life or are you on your own throne? That's the simple four spiritual laws. The, the man who came up with Campus Crusade for Christ, Bill Bright, was the one who put four spiritual laws together, and we used it on teams all over the world. And there's a little tear-off strip on that one brochure that we did where people would read through that. We would have a prayer for them, and they would actually pray to receive Jesus, fill out one of those slips, tear it off, and hand it to somebody on our team, and we would move that to a church or a pastor that would follow up for discipleship and counsel. That's one tool. So you can read through that super easy and just say, hey, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Now, if I said that to you and I was sitting down with you, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, what would your response be? You would just sit there and say, what? God has a wonderful plan for me? Why would God have a wonderful plan for me? Some people just say, I don't even believe in God, but, you know, hey, some people are going to listen to that and say, that's intriguing. Like, what is it about that? And there's different verses there, John 3.16 and John 10.10. And if you're really wanting to play this out, write these verses out, try to memorize these verses so that when you're with somebody and you say, hey, could I just go through some of these things that I have found in the Bible you can point to some of these things. Second one, all have sinned and therefore uh, are therefore apart from God. 
So we, this idea is because of our sin, we're broken uh, from a relationship with God. We would believe that, Romans, the, the Romans passages. God sent his son to pay the price of our sin in a way to restore us to God. And, and in the, the four spiritual laws, just like Romans wrote and these other things, you're taking a person from uh, one place where they might not know that much about God or maybe they, they do know a little bit about God, but they've fallen away, and you're trying to move them to a decision where they're saying, I want to follow Jesus with my life. And number four of the four spiritual laws, you must accept Jesus as your Savior. And we use Ephesians 2, John 1, and Revelation 3.20. Now, back to the Father's Day thing real quick. Fathers, mothers, grandparents, siblings, have you made sure that your kids and your grandkids through your children have they gone through the four spiritual laws? Have you taught and trained them the four spiritual laws? Have you said, listen, God has a plan for you and you absolutely believe it. And you walk through that with them so that they come to a place of saving faith in Jesus Christ. Have you done it? Dads, I'm asking you, have you done that with your kids? Your kids are looking at you and they're wondering, hey, is that what you're doing? If you talk about full devotion to Jesus, are you fully devoted to Jesus? Are you doing it? I'm not sure. It's convicting to me a little bit because I know that my kids were watching me when they were growing up and and they were basically saying, Dad, are, are you legit? And at some point, Chet saying it again this morning, at some point we wanted our kids to have faith that was their faith and not our faith as parents. Remember this tool, the four spiritual laws, or maybe you do the Romans road with your kids or your, your neighbors or whoever it is. It doesn't matter. The goal here is what? That people come to faith in Jesus Christ. He's the author and finisher of our faith. We don't have to do it perfect. We just need to be able to spend time with them to say, hey, this is so important to me, I want to share this with you. Does that make sense? The Romans road goes through, and I'm going to just go through it quick. This is for you to take. Please take it with you. Keep it in your Bibles. Start to go through these things. It's just tools for you to use. The Romans road, all of sin and need salvation, very similar to the first spiritual law or the second spiritual law. The price of sin is death. Okay, like, (laughs) let's stop and think about that for a minute. The price of sin is death. How many people are in your world of influence right now that have an eternal life apart from God? Think about that for a minute. And how does that move you? Does it move you? Does it concern you? Are you really, do you care? If we believe that the price of sin is death, like Romans 6 tells us, are we going to say, oh my goodness, I have people that I need to tell the truth to. What's holding me back? Here's the the answer. Jesus died for our sins and paid our sin debts. (laughs) Amen. 
Where would we be without Jesus paying the price for that? We would all still be lost. We would all still be facing death, eternal, uh, eternal life apart from God. So we receive salvation and eternal life through faith in Jesus. The promise of eternal life is given to those who put their trust in Jesus. So the, these are promises that we're using in the Romans road out at Romans 10. 9, 10, and 13. Salvation through Jesus Christ brings us peace and relationship with God out of Romans 5, 8, uh, in a couple places. Now, do we believe, again, back to our own lives, are we living in a way where Jesus is giving us the peace in our lives and the relationships that we long for? Is he doing that? If he's not doing that, are we going to share with other people that that's what salvation brings? I don't think so. What I noticed growing up and in my church for many, many years, my different churches that I went to, most people were not that excited about their walk with Jesus. They're just like, yep, I'm saved and I'm going to go to heaven. Everybody else is kind of on their own. That's what I experienced. I don't know about you guys. I don't want Outpost to be that kind of church. I do not want to be that myself. I want to be somebody that is going to engage with other people and not only believe it, but have experienced this peace that God's talking about. You guys have the peace? In this world right now, what's going on in this world, are you at peace? Some of you could answer, yes, I'm totally at peace. I, I'm doing great. Some of you may, might be saying, I'm scared out of my mind. I have no idea how to respond to this. Okay? Don't stay there. Seek somebody that's going to walk through with you what it means to have peace and joy. And the, and the fears, where are they coming from? Okay, because Why? Why is it important to get there? Because there's so many people around us that need to hear the gospel, and if we don't believe in the gospel, we're not going to share it. We're just not. ABC's The Salvation. Some of you may have heard of J.D. Farag. You can go to his website, but he follows the ABC's of Salvation, and they're very, very good. Admit, believe, and confess very easy tool for you to share with other people that they just need to admit they're a sinner, they need to believe that Jesus died for those sins, and then they need to confess with their mouth and choose to allow God to change their life. And there's different verses there that you can use. Very simple tool. The bottom one, one, one line evangelism here, if you have that, or one verse evangelism on the bottom, It'll come up. This is where it gets really fun because you can, you, know, you can actually draw this out. You guys artists and everything? This is, this is like the, the finished work here. I don't even know who drew, drew that. That's pretty good. Okay? But typically you would draw this and not have the verse or the cross or anything up there. You would just have this, that little stick figure. All of us can draw little stick figures. Seriously. I mean, my grandkids can. They're awesome at it. Um, but you can draw this box where there's a person there, and then there's this chasm. There's this, this area where on the other side of that chasm is God. 
And you can actually draw this out with a, with a pen or a pencil on a piece of paper. It doesn't take very long. But you can grab a friend, you can grab a, a nephew, a cousin, whoever it might be, and say, hey, I want to try this out. Would you mind if I, I'm working on this. Do you mind if I work on this? And use that as a way to sketch that out, that the only way across that chasm is through the cross of Jesus Christ. And you're u- using the verse Romans out of Romans. These are just tools, you guys. Simple tools. Let me tell you that it may seem simple, but I have used the four spiritual laws in my life so many times. Variations of these so many times. They're just things that we can bring to mind to say, hey, God, you have me in front of a person. We're having a dialogue and a discussion. What can I do to introduce this person to Jesus? It's not our job to save everyone. It's our job to introduce people to the one who can save them. That should take some pressure off of us. When Jesus in Matthew 28 says, go into the whole world, go into the far reaches of the the earth and share the gospel, that was a command. That wasn't just an idea. That was a command. And some of us are like, how, you know, go to India, Africa, those places. No, go into your world of influence. Who is in your world of influence right now? We started with this idea that it's your, your spouse, your kids. That's your immediate influence. If you're not doing it well there, I can't ask you to go into the next phase. There's many other phases. There's other places, there's other people groups, there's other cultures. And some of them, you go there and it is dark. It's difficult. You might lose your life for the gospel. And yet, that's going into all the world. I've had an opportunity to go in some of those places and it brings me back to home. I can go there and I can share the gospel. Matter of fact, it's called shock evangelism. The teams that we have taken, they would sit there and say, hey, what are you guys doing coming to Honduras, Central America, and playing a sport with us when you've got the best facilities in the world where you're at? Like, what is going on here? And we call it shock evangelism because they're going to come listen to whatever we say in that setting because why are you here? And we share these principles with the people. Listen, be a shock evangelist in your culture. It's getting to be as much of a shock in our culture to talk about Jesus as it is in the other cultures of the world. What about, go, what about in the schools? Kids, if I was going to ask you, if you started t- being bold for Jesus in the schools, what would happen? It'd be shock evangelism because nobody does it. Who are we at Outpost? We go back to the beginning here. Like, prepare for battle. Number one, there, there is a battle. We have to rest on that. Number two, 
What are the tools that we need to do, put in our tool bag, to be ready to go back out into the battle? Don't stay here. Don't sit in here and say, oh, this is where everything's so safe and good. You know what they call that? The castle mentality. Everything outside the castle is bad and scary and fearful. Everybody run for the castle and get safe. We're not going to do that with you. We want being here and being around other people to be safe, but we want you to go out and engage in the culture. The way to do that primarily is your walk with Jesus. Again, I'm going to go back to it, your walk with Jesus. If you're not going to walk in closeness with Jesus, then these tools, these ideas for evangelism, leading other people to Jesus, they're not going to happen. Do you find that true in your own life? If you're not engaged with Jesus and spending time with Jesus, how many of you are regularly out sharing the gospel with other people? Not very often. In my, in my world or the, the people that I'm around and I'm asking these questions. So this morning, before you leave, I want you to ask yourself some of these questions that we've gone over. Where am I at with Jesus? Am I authentic with him? And do I believe that he wants to use me to engage the people in my circle of influence? And if the answer to those is yes, let's get after it. Let's do it. Let's use some tools. You've got some tools right here. Pull them out and say, hey, I want to go through some things with you with a coworker. And they might think that you're wacky. Fine. Let them think you're wacky. They're still going to hear the gospel. Make sure that you're doing it with your family, your spouse, your kids your grandkids, you're, you're living it out before them so that they want it too. Parents, you guys know the joy that it is when your child accepts Jesus. When they say, I want to give my heart to Jesus. It, is there anything better than that? <laughs> really? I mean, there's really not many things better than that. That's what we're after, belief that Jesus wants to be Lord of the lives of the people around you and that he wants to be the author and finisher of their faith and change their families. How do we reclaim the culture? How do we change the flow of culture? Me. You're going to change it with you. You're going to change it in your commitment around you and what happens. Let's pray together. Father, I'm, I'm thankful that you have given me tools over the years uh, through other people that knew that I needed that in my life. God, that I wasn't probably going to pursue or go after people in the same way without an understanding of those tools. And you uh, put it on my heart that, hey, if you save me, God, Jesus, if you save me, and you care about my eternal destiny and the, my wife and my children, my grandchildren, how can I not want that for other people as well? God, as a people that gather here,
Outpost Community Church, can you put it on our hearts to prepare for battle? That we're, we're wanting to send out and go out into our culture to engage those who are broken, those who are hurting, those who have chains, those who need you. God, we need you. What you've done in our own life, God, help us to go in to those places that might be fearful just using the tools that you've given us. And let's see what happens. Let's choose three people around us that you want us to reach out to, God, and to pray into and commit to being intentional to engage them with time, energy, effort, and the words of your mouth through the Word of God. And let's see what happens with those three people. And then let's share stories with each other of what happens in those settings as lives are changed. God, we, we lift it up to you. We ask you to bless it. We ask you to encourage us in these things. Thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.